Welcome back, everybody, to the You Heard It Here First podcast. I'm your host, Sammy DeYoung, Student Ministries Coordinator of First you Colorville. You don't normally tell us your title. But sometimes I like to add it for fun, just in case. Today it makes sense to add it. It does make sense to add it. Because we're talking about youth ministry things. But anyway, as you can hear, there's someone else sitting and chatting here with me today. Pastor Josh, how's it going? It's going well. It's a cold, rainy day. It is kind of gross out today. It is kind of gross out. But it's good to be here. Yes. Actually, I'm kind of sad that it's like rainy and gross out and almost kind of warm because the middle school students have a winter retreat this weekend. I actually wondered about that with broomball. Yes. I think they'll still do broomball. It just will be like slushy instead of icy. And then it's It's just... supposed to get cold this weekend, isn't it? I checked the weather for up there. It's 34 on Saturday. It's not, Mm. not quite cold enough. No. So... Although, if it gets super cold overnight, yeah, it may stay cold. But enough. sometimes we do broomball like Saturday night. So if it's like 34 all day, it'll be kind of slush by the time we play. But we'll see. It'll still be fun. I've been to a couple retreats. The only thing is the tubing hill. If it all melts, there's no tubing hill. Wow. And that would be a big bummer time. Yeah, because that's a pretty big activity you guys do. Yes. Which hill is better? Grace Adventures or Spring Hill? Um, are you not allowed to say because no, you're contractually obligated no, no. by your former employer? No, to... no. Spring Hills, I would say, is better, but because I hope no one from Grace Adventures is listening to this, but <laughs> That's I'm going to say it anyway. But this is <laughs> because I have connections at Grace Adventures. Um, I'm able to schmooze my way around some of the rules at Grace oh. Adventures. So like our tradition with the high school group is to see how many kids we can get on one tube and connect with other tubes and go down the hill at one time. I think we've had like up to 20 something. You're about halfway down the hill at that point. Yeah, it's a great time. But that's technically not allowed. Like there's like max like four to five people that can go down at one time. But like one of my friends was running the tubing hill last year. So we got up there, he started saying the rules and I said, no. <laughs> so when you but, went with the high school students, mm-hmm. uh, how long did you guys, how long did you spend tubing? Um, I feel like I was very cold, so I didn't last very long, but a couple hours. I know. Oh, like, a couple hours. Yeah. Kira, this isn't like an hour's time slot. No. Kira oh, wow. was out there for three hours, maybe. Drew and Brian were probably out there for two hours. Wow. Yeah. It's a fun time. Spring Hills is fun because it has like, you don't have to walk up the hill. It has like a, oh, yeah. it has I an, saw that in the picture. a carpet thing. It pulls you up. And then it had a drop off. Scared the crap out of me. I don't know why, but I was very scared of the tubing hill this year. Normally it's just like Maybe it's you've a gradual older. slope. But this year it was like flat and then it dropped and then you went down. Did they put it on a different hill? Nope. It must just be the way the ice and snow formed or something. Because it was the three middle ones. Oh. Spring Hill has lanes. Yeah, I did see that. Grace Adventures has one hill. Oh. But they're both fun for different reasons. That's what I was getting at. But I can see if there's, they don't have a snowmaker there. No. Spring Hill does. Grace Adventures does not. But I could, yeah, I could see if you don't have snow and can't go tubing, that that would be kind of a bummer because you'd have some time now that you'd have to fill. Well, normally when they don't have the tubing hill open, they open their outdoor zip line. Oh, so that's kind of fun. Like that. Yeah, that's pretty fun. 
that also has a drop. Really? Yes. You like have you to sit drop on, on a zip line? Yeah, you sit on a ledge and scooch off and it drops and then it like catches and zoop. That would be terrifying. Yeah, I don't like to do the zip line. I became a chicken. I don't know when did this happen. I used to not be scared of anything. I I mean I've done zip lines before. I've never been on one that had a drop. Yeah. It drops, yeah. I mean I, I would not very far. I could but... see like if there's a drop when you're over water and you're gonna like go swimming. Yeah. But over land, that yeah. seems a little scary. Yeah, it is kind of scary. Wow. It's not that bad. Have you ever been on like a winter retreat? What is your camp experience? So when I was in high school, I never went on a winter retreat because it was always in the middle of basketball season. Oh. And so I, uh, that just wasn't something I, one, really wanted to do or mm -hmm. to fit into the schedule. However, yeah. during the summer, I would go to a summer camp. Hmm. Um, I did it twice as a counselor oh yeah fun. that's fun um yeah a cabin of eighth graders going into ninth graders did you like it i did good i liked it it was fun did you go like as a camper when you were a I went, child so i went um five years to that camp as a camper mm -hmm. and then when i was in college uh before i got married i did two years of camp counselor. Nice. That's similar to mine. I went to this camp for five years, but then I worked at the camp for five summers. Not just I did two. not do that. Yes. I was trying to work my way up, get into a leadership position, which I did. And then I. And now you're here. Now I work here. <clears throat> which we are very thankful yes, for. I love my job. It'd be very awkward if you weren't here because then I would just be talking to an empty chair. Yeah, that'd be awkward. I do that sometimes in my other intros. I'd. Just talk to that. Do you imagine someone? Sitting no, I put the the tripod up. I talk to myself. I I watch myself talk. <laughs> you talk to yourself. <laughs> anyway, today we're talking a little bit about youth ministry and Gen Z. Unless you had any any other updates you wanted no, to update good. us on. Um, I lost my train of thought. But we're talking about Gen Z. So, um, we hope you stay tuned for the rest of this interview. Pastor Josh, welcome back to the You Heard It Here First podcast. It's good to be here. Thanks for being here today. How's your day been going so far? It's been a full day. The door has been a a rotating carousel of people. Yeah, a lot of people have talked to you today. There's been a lot of people in and out of the uh, out of the office. Who was good? Who's your favorite guest today? <laughs> I, I can't answer that question because all of the conversations were confidential. Oh shoot! Move your mic up a little. <laughs> Move my mic up a little bit? Yeah. Like tip it up. Like that? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Sorry. I couldn't hear you as much. Um, Anything else exciting happening today? Um, No, I don't think so. Got the wordle correct again. So that's kind of fun. Fourth try. What's, the, what's the word? I can't or say the word. Or is that cheating? Well, since this podcast isn't going out today, the word was thorn. Oh. Do you play Wordle every day? I do. And I have a very specific rhythm. What do you mean? Well, you get six tries uh -huh. to pick a word that's five letters. Uh -huh. So my first three words are all different letters. Okay. So, for example, the word paste, uh -huh. P-A-S-T-E. Uh -huh. And then my second word is rung, W-R-U-N-G. 
So I've oh. eliminated or learned 10 letters. None of those turned green? Well, even if they do, I'm not interested necessarily in getting the right letter in the right spot, but in knowing as many letters as I can hmm. with the most guesses left. That's a good strategy. It's been effective. Do you get the word every day? Uh, there has been one Wordle. I think the second or third one I did ever, I did not get. Okay. But every single one since then I get. Wow. How long have you been doing it? Oh, several months. I haven't done it once. It's not my style. That's okay. <laughs> it's like a puzzle. That's like all right. Those puzzle, like the puzzles you oh, have yeah, on your the, desk. The puzzles on my desk. I'm, I do love puzzles. I'm not good at those. So that's new in my life. How about you? What's been uh, um, going on in your day? What has been going on in my day? Well, you're telling me about uh, your most recent sitting with Sammy. Oh, yeah. I for, for the audience, yes. what, what is sitting with Sammy? Oh, I take all of the high school students out individually. They get to dip out of school for a little bit and get lunch with me. So I went to Applebee's today with one of our juniors who's very into snowmobiles. So we talked about snowmobiles for a long time. That doesn't necessarily narrow it down that much because there's a number of juniors who are into snowmobiles. Yeah, but I don't know if I want to tell people who I was with today. I know. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So it could be any of them. Could be any of them. Yes. Do you like uh, having opportunities to talk one-on-one with uh, high school students? I do. I get to know them. I feel like I already know bits and pieces about them, but then I get to know them a little bit more. Or even if I don't, it's just like good to have Sometimes in group settings, my brain has a hard time focusing. So like at youth group, I'm thinking about multiple things. And then if kids come up and are talking to me, but I was already talking to one kid, like I don't always get to have a conversation with everyone. So this gives me an opportunity to have a conversation with all of them and only focused on them. So I can really think about what they're telling me. Otherwise, sometimes I'm just a little too scatterbrained in general. I can understand that. Yes. It so sounds, it's sounds like pre or post church for yeah. me. Yeah. Trying to talk with people. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little a little tricky. Your mind's thinking about too many other things. It's true. Yes. So that's what I did already today. Anyway, you're on the podcast today. We're not really interviewing you again. That's not what this is. Today we have a book that we're discussing. So this is a little bit of a different situation <laughs> that we're doing today. Um how did this kind of come to be? I read this book and I yep. told you about it. Yeah, so uh, last, the way I, I guess I remember it is last summer we had talked about uh, the catechism related to human sexuality and marriage. Uh-huh. And we had talked about engaging different ages. Mm-hmm. And you had talked about this book. Yes. And we talked about how you try to engage with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And I asked if you did that differently and yeah, this book came up and yeah, I had said, Oh, I should read that because mm-hmm. that would be good. And did you read it? I skimmed it and I read some of it. We also talked about the book uh, by Jean Twange, the, um, the one with the phone, the I, I, Jen, I, Jen, Red cover. I think you said you had read that too or looked at it. Um, You're putting me on the spot. I don't remember this. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But that was also about. Is it red? Yeah. 
Okay, then maybe I do remember. I don't it was, think I it it was about how kids who... Uh, so, for example, I can remember in college when <clears throat> my friends got uh, phones that would allow them to instant message, mm-hmm. which was a big deal. And mm-hmm. we made fun of them because we had flip phones and, like, cell phones were more necessity than... Yeah. Or uh, by necessity, not necessarily. This is what drives my life. Mm-hmm. And the people who had phones drive their life. We thought were weird, silly. But now everyone, yeah. And you probably don't remember a world where smartphones didn't exist. I do. My first phone was not a smartphone. How old were you when you? I was too young. You were I, too young when, when I got <clears throat> my first phone. I was in sixth grade. Wow. But it was like just a little. Like a small little phone. It wasn't even a flip phone. It was just like a flat phone that you could basically just call. But do you remember your parents not having a phone? A sm- like a cell phone or a smartphone? Um, I remember them not having a smartphone. They had Nextels. Oh, yeah. The text attack yes, or but like, attack. But I remember like having a home phone and was taught how to answer like a home phone. So I think one of the things that I that we talked a little bit about is how do you, how do we minister to kids who are who don't know a world that's different from that yeah especially since uh the other half of our church or world didn't grow up that way Mm -hmm. and there's a significant difference for uh, how lives intersect with technology yeah so that's i guess how i remember the book coming up and And that's kind of a lot of what this book talks about Mm -hmm. so the book is called engaging generation z by tim mcknight and it's it's primarily for like youth ministry people which is why i read it but it has a lot of good stuff for like parents pastors and just anyone that is like interested in connecting with people from the next generation so if i don't know exactly who gen z is who they are Uh uh-huh uh, who, what age are Gen Z? Are you Gen Z? No, I just missed it. You just, ah, uh, shoot. <laughs> it's, uh, 1999. So you're born in 1999 through 2015. Okay. So, so all four of our kids are Gen Z. Yes. Cause Tate was born in 2015. Okay. Yeah. So they're all Gen Z. The book says that Gen Z is like the largest generation. Like, there's just so many. In of terms them. of the number of children. Yes. Hmm. I don't know if that means, like, right now or in general. It would make sense if it means right now. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. But it's it's a big group of people, I think, was the point he was trying to make. So is there hope for Gen Z? I think so. <laughs> I think so. I hope so. Yes. I think so. Um... Let me look at my notes a second. I marked a lot of stuff in the book for us to talk about, but we don't have to get to all of it. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think. 1999, uh, they would be 23, right? Turning turning 23? Yeah. So uh, a few who might be out of college, but primarily college age, young adults, yeah. high school, middle school. Yeah. I think and when... Go ahead. People think about Gen Z. It's primarily like early college kids and high school kids. Like I wouldn't think of like Tate as Gen Z. No, even though that's his birthday. Even yeah, even though that's technically what he is. Because even I'm technically millennial, 
But I also feel like sometimes I fall into the Gen Z category with certain things that I like. Yeah, I'm technically a millennial as well because it's 1982, mm-hmm. but I'm much less a millennial than whatever the generation was before. Yeah. Because of the whole smartphone thing. What do you mean? Because I can remember a world without without phones. Hmm. Do they say millennials don't? Well, <clears throat> so to illustrate, uh, when I was in high school, my good friend pulled up his car to pick me up and sat in the driveway and called my house. Hmm. Which. Instead of going to the door. Instead of coming to the door and yeah. saying hi. Mm-hmm. Like now that would be normal. Yeah. Like, or you text and say, hey, I'm here. Come out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never go to a door. Right. So, uh, but for me, that was really weird. Like, why are you calling me? Just yeah, knock just on knock the door. door. Yeah. Uh, so that's clearly not a millennial. I mean, a mo- all millennials would text, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk to your parents or see your siblings. So just come out. Yeah. Um, again, not better or worse. That's just yeah. what sets us apart. Um, I thought we could kind of go through to get a little bit of a better idea of what Gen Z is. Um, the author of the book kind of gives 10 things that Gen Z is. Sure. So I thought I would just list those off. Great. Is that okay? Absolutely. Great. So Gen Z, they're wired in. I don't really know. What do you think that means? I would say it means that the primary way they think about their community is through technology. Yes, I would agree. This says teens spend more time on social media and on their screens than they do face-to-face interactions with each other. So a lot of things are online. So they're wired in. Um, they are also post-Christian. The third thing he said is they struggle with their mental and emotional health. Fourth thing is they struggle with their with the issue of identity. Um, five, they are diverse. Six, they are growing up too slow and too fast. I thought that section was very interesting. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, Seven, the parents of Generation Z are both over-engaged and under-engaged in their parenting. Gen Z, number eight, Gen Z is a generation of entrepreneurs. Number nine, they are the largest generation in the nation's history. And 10, they are students. So it's kind of, there are a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but I really. What I appreciated is they're not described negatively no right there which often happens when you're describing when your other generations get described yeah described i think gen z tends to have by older generations have a bad reputation they're like they're on their phones too much they do all this like they're all trying to get tiktok famous blah blah blah. like and they talk about it in a very negative way but i really like that the author of this book talked about them in a lot of hope that they like they're very ambitious Mm mm-hmm so there's a lot of hope for them, I think, to, I don't know, if make the world a better place is what I'm trying to say. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things as you were listing those, I think it's the third and the fourth one mm-hmm. related to identity and anxiety mm-hmm. and the wired in. Yeah. Uh, how do you see those connect as you interact with middle schoolers or high schoolers? Like the anxiety and being on your phone a lot. Yeah. Do you see that as a significant connection or is that overplayed in your own experience? I think in some sense it's a little bit overplayed because 
it's very like person by person. Like some kids could be online and it has no effect on them, but some kids can be online and it has a big effect on them. So I think it's a lot of, um, I think parents play a big role in it too. And like, if they're limiting it, they're aware of what their kids are doing on their phones, stuff like that. If there's like on them too much and they like, you can like set a limit on your kids' phones and stuff like that. So things like that, I think make a big difference. And if they block certain apps and stuff like that makes a big difference. But with, I can see how like mental health and being wired in go hand in hand because there's just so much online and kids are seeing so many things that I feel like even I didn't like Instagram, I think was becoming pretty big when I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. And it was just to like post fun stuff that you were doing. There wasn't a whole lot of like, oh, I'm so jealous of what other people are doing or like this. It wasn't as like fake as I people say it is now where people mm. are only posting the best of their life. So other people are comparing their lives to what other people are posting. Like if you look at back at my Instagram right now, it would be like cringy for other kids for kids to look at because I'm just posting what I felt like posting that day where now everyone like has to put a perfect filter on it and have the perfect pose like I see TikToks of people saying like here's the picture picture I posted one picture but then here's eight other 800 other ones like of just trying to get that picture perfect wow so there's like a lot more time and thought that goes into it I don't remember if it was 800 but it was a big number of like here's this so many other pictures I took first, but so, I only posted this one because it was the perfect one. So when you post things on Instagram of yourself, do mm-hmm. you do that? Do you find yourself tempted? Me? Or, yeah. Do you try to do a filter? I know I'm putting you on the spot a little I bit. I do here, a but... filter, but like my last Instagram post, I went snowboarding. Mm-hmm. So I posted like one cuter one, but I also posted like three of me on the ground because I was not good <laughs> at snowboarding. <laughs> Well, when I when I've seen pictures from, uh, for example, the winter retreat, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like. Then again, I don't know what the eight hundred would be. It doesn't seem like there's a strong attempt to filter. No, it's more just, hey, this is what we did. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. When I post things on like the church page, it's basically just like pretty much every picture we took that weekend, I post for people at church to see to get like an inside scoop and Mm. i feel like that's how it was when a lot of social media first came out where now it's just like you want to get more likes and comments and all this stuff so you have to post the perfect one which i see how that can impact your mental health because then if you're posting one that you think is good but then someone posts one like better than yours it can impact you Hmm. what else did you find interesting in the book um Let me look for my next sticky note. Well, we can talk a little bit about the, uh, where he talked about they're growing up too fast. Oh, yeah. And too slow all at the same time. One of the quotes that I had written down was related to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It says, uh, contemporary popular culture treats youth as children, not young adults. Popular culture thrives on maintaining a distinct youth culture for marketplace purposes which addresses behavior rather than the heart, Hmm. which I found uh, fascinating. Yeah. Just that uh, goods and are sold, you know, things are sold to 
are marketed toward children mm -hmm. as consumers, yeah. as uh, you're young, uh, you need this, um, and that there's a there's a desire to keep the the distinctions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is true. Um, so do people still use the term adulting? No. Okay. I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> I haven't heard anyone say that in a while. I've, and that's really the previous generation. Yeah, I think that's millennials okay. that say that quite often. I don't, I don't know if Gen Z has something like that yet because they're not quite to that point yet. So where do you see kids uh, or children uh, growing up too fast? And where do you see them growing up too slow? Well, I feel like, I don't remember if it was in this book or I saw it somewhere else where people are like 15-year-olds now look 25 and 25-year-olds act 15. Just because hmm. when you, like in high school, you're always trying to grow up and you want to be older and whatever. So you sometimes miss out on those like formative things in high school because you're just trying to grow up too fast. So by the time you get to be 25, you don't know some stuff because you just like skipped over a bunch. And I feel like. Is that how you feel? Sometimes. Yes. You're personally, I feel that way. going on 14. <laughs> Not that I <laughs> tried to grow up too fast. I loved high school. I wasn't trying to get out of it sure. too fast. But like there is still the times that I was like, I can't wait till I can drive or I can mm. make my own choices and stuff like that. And I think that's a lot of what. There's a lot of but, people doing what they want for themselves, and it's kind of just doing what they want when they want. And if they're being told that, that's kind of them wanting to grow up faster, I guess. But go ahead. Well, the book talks about how uh, kids are getting their driver's license later and later, which is a little different than what you yeah. just talked about. Yeah. That's the other thing. I feel like this book is very good, and he does a good job of saying, like, these are all generalizations. So it's different for each kid because, like, I'll be honest, we have a great group of students at our church that some of them may be going through some of these things, but some of them aren't. They're just growing up fairly normal. So sure. it's, they might have friends going through this, so it would still be good for them to be aware of these things. But a lot of them, like, they got a good head on their shoulders and they have their priorities. Sure. Yeah, I would say that's been my experience in catechism too. Mm -hmm. Just really thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, good to interact with. Yeah. Yeah, obviously there's times where it's better than others, but that's for yeah. all of us. Yeah. So it's hard to have some of these kind of conversations because it makes, I don't want it to sound like they're being talked down on. It's just a different generation mm -hmm. and we're just trying to figure out how to best minister towards them. I think is the goal. Did you have another quote that stuck out to you that you wanted to discuss? Well, one of the things that was interesting for me was one of the chapters, a couple of the chapters are for parents. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how uh, the gospel or lessons are caught, not taught. Mm -hmm. He talks a lot about modeling at home. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, a, I had a couple of things. You know, one of them, one of the thoughts was, uh, if you were going to sit uh, parents down mm -hmm. and say, 
I realize that I'm just just the youth director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's some really important things that I would encourage you as parents. Uh, what what would you say? Um, you know, I thought about this because you know we're parenting four of these Gen Z mm-hmm. kids and don't have a clue what we're doing. Yeah. You know, we're doing our best, uh, but yeah, when you, you've also been able to see how certain things have gone well or how certain kids have developed through things. And so, yeah. um, you know, if you were going to say to parents, this is what I'd encourage you to think about modeling at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talks about it a little bit in the book. I have a quote. There's like a section where he talks about setting the bar and I feel like parents and youth group leaders need to like work together because mm-hmm. obviously parents and I think this is not just Gen Z. This has been a thing for ever. Like parents have always had the most impact on their kids. They spend the most time with them. They know them the best, whether kids think it or not, like mm-hmm. your parents know you. And like I see the high school students twice a month, middle school students twice a month. Right. And sometimes like sporadically here and there outside of that so like i get a total of maybe three hours a month so like there's not much i can be doing in that three hours so it's kind of a coming alongside parents and letting them know ahead of time like what we're going to be talking about at youth group so they can follow up or things like that or if they have questions afterwards things like that where they can follow up with me or if there's something specific that they're like hey we don't know I guess, like, how to talk to them about this. Maybe this could would be a good youth group topic. So getting parents' input, I think, is important. But also being... There is... I'm fairly young to be in this position. Mm-hmm. So I'm closer in age to the students than to the parents, essentially. Sure. So, like, the things they're going through right now are not that far away from when I went through it. So there are some things that I'm, like, just closer in age that I'm able to relate in that way. But you still want to have that relationship with the parents. But I also think it's important to, like, since we're Christians, to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is to be preaching the gospel of Jesus. And you want parents to have that foundation, and you have that foundation so you're all on the same page, which he talks about in the book as well. Yeah, one of the things that I uh, have found uh, most interesting in what you do when you have youth group is you have the phone box. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for us, one of the, one of the biggest struggles is how do you deal with technology? Yeah. How do you, uh, not import your own thoughts on the, what's bad, Yeah. but also model good technology use. Mm -hmm. Um, when did the phone basket start? Why did you do that? How would you encourage parents to think about tech a little bit? Um, well, the phone box has been a thing, I think, the whole time I've been doing youth group. And I think it started when I was in youth group. And I don't think the phone box is a, we hate technology, we don't want you on your phone, right. that kind of thing. It's a, we want to eliminate distractions and things that would take away from you, like engaging during the lesson or talking. Sometimes these kids go to the same school, but they might not be in the same friend group. So you get to know people in a different way. So youth group is how I've 
like picture is a safe space for kids to be themselves and get to know, grow closer to Jesus and get to know other people better. And phones sometimes just put up a barrier. But then there are some times where we might pull a phone out to show like a funny video. Like there's been times in the past we were trying to talk to kids about wanting to come on the retreat. So we pulled our phone out to show a funny sure. video of me biffing it on the <laughs> ice because it's funny <laughs> or showing a video of the tubing hill. Clearly not take 175 no <laughs> i was take one and i just Oop. so things like that we want to incorporate it in a positive way because i'll be honest i'm kind of i'm sick of people always viewing technology as like a terrible evil mm-hmm. thing because i don't think it is and it mm-hmm. can be used in a very positive way he talks about in the book like this girl uses her instagram solely for posting devotionals and that's not bad at all or there's people that will text their friends a bible verse in the morning or jason has talked about jason gort one of the youth group leaders has talked about like starting a group chat with the boys and checking in like hey did you read your bible today so like it can be used in a positive way so we want to have both in youth group it's a don't want a distraction but in life use it in a positive way is how i view it yeah i think that's that's helpful so one of the other things that i was um struck by in the book is uh, the children's ministry, youth ministry, and adult ministry are all ministering to families. Mm-hmm. How do they work together? And I wondered uh, whether you felt like uh, that was going well here. Um, why you think that's important? Um, I think it's very important. Um, I know that we, like us and Aaron have put in a lot of time to talk about like our discipleship plan, like kind of mm-hmm. the, all, the big themes. Yes. The big themes and what want we to make sure. Prioritize. Yes. And they're covered in kindergarten through high school and then still encouraging through when you graduate and through college and stuff like that. So I think our ideas are there and it's just about implementing them. And um, right now I think the transition like from children's ministry to student ministry is going very well. Because kids are able to, like, if they have older siblings or if they've had me as a Sunday school teacher and stuff like that, it kind of transitions so they know, like, what to expect. Um, but we're not talking necessarily about things that they haven't heard before because they heard it in children's ministry, which I think is good. How long have you been teaching uh, fourth and fifth grade Sunday school? Um, three because, or four years. Okay. Because one of the things that was... I mean, we appreciated as uh, parents, putting mm-hmm. my parent hat on, mm-hmm. is uh, for Cole to transition to middle school youth group. Yeah. Like, you are not a new person for him. Yes. You are not a, uh, an unusual face. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's our oldest. So youth group is kind of a new experience for us. Yeah. And so having him know you was really mm-hmm. a significant thing. And he knew you in that way. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that was intentional That's on exactly your part. That's exactly why I did it. Cause okay. I will say my my strength isn't children's ministry. Mm-hmm. I much well, we pre- have somebody really great in that spot. Yes, yes. Erin <laughs> does a great job. She does things like with the kids that I could like. It's just not in my. Mm-hmm. She says the same thing about you and your role. Yes, like we just do. <laughs> we have different strengths, and that's on purpose, I think. So it's more out of my comfort zone to be teaching fourth and fifth grade, but I do it so that they know who I am before youth group because youth group is a big switch from like what children's ministry does. Children's ministry is pretty much Sunday mornings 
and then like gems and cadets and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of overlap, but it's just they're able to have an idea of who I am because sometimes I'm a lot. So then they get an idea of that. And not in a bad way, but no. like Cole's going to experience winter retreat, Sammy, this weekend. Yeah. And that's sometimes another level. But he already know he's known me for three, yeah, two years now. So, and we're excited for that. Yes, it should be fun. Anything else from the book that you thought was worth uh, sharing or noting? Um, maybe not like one specific thing, but I would recommend this book yeah. for people to read, especially parents, just because it has a lot of like tips for parents, but also how to come alongside like youth ministry because it. It is for, it was written to youth directors, but it has like a chapter just for parents and things like that. And it's a lot of things that maybe would help parents see the importance of youth ministry. And it also helped me as a youth worker to like remember the importance of family and partnering with parents. Yeah. One of the things that I wrote down was um, I couldn't help but feel something that I often feel. That trusting the gospel as is and the Holy Spirit to work often doesn't feel like it's enough, mm-hmm. but it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you read a book like that and there's, he's got lots of really great things, but ultimately a, a lot of his message is mm-hmm. you know, be faithful, yeah. keep doing the good, you know, keep doing the main things mm-hmm. and <clears throat> trust that God will show up in that, which... Yeah. Like sometimes it feels like we have to do a little bit more yeah. or uh, if only I, you know, you do that or do this, mm-hmm. that, that will be a better ministry. And mm-hmm. that's just not, Yeah, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. Which I think he did a good job of talking about that as well. But it also gives like pastors and youth workers like almost a sense of peace that it's not on you. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the gospel is enough. Like you, you. I can play in all these games. You can write like amazing sermons and all this stuff, but like, it's not up to us. Mm -hmm. We just create the space. Yep. That that's harder, Mm -hmm. but it's also, uh, easier. Yeah. (laughs) In an odd way. Yeah. Hmm. Overall, I really liked this book. I think it gave a good description of who Gen Z is without talking down about them and encouraging them to, step up and be like the next generation of leaders because I think that sometimes Mm -hmm. is a fear for people like who's going to be the next leaders but I think there's a lot of potential in Gen Z. I'd agree. Especially in our students. I think so too. I think there's a lot of potential there. We like our students. Yes. Thanks for talking about this with me today. Yeah. If people want to borrow a copy or we can send out a we can put a link in the description of the book. It's a great idea. So people can check it out. Sweet. See ya.